Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca, on lifestyle improvement. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Lisa Green. Lisa Green is an adjunct professor in the Department of Child and Family Education at Concordia University, an author, parent coach, international speaker, and the mother of two children with special health care needs. As a parent educator, public speaker, and independent love and logic facilitator, Miss Green teaches essential parenting skills to thousands of parents each year. She has also written articles for Parent Guide, DisneyFamily.com, and Living Well magazine, as well as numerous online journals. Miss Green also co-authored the award-winning Love and Logic book, Parenting Children with Health Issues, Essential Tools, Tips, and Tactics for Raising Kids with Chronic Illnesses, Medical Conditions, and Special Healthcare Needs. You can find this book at ParentingChildrenWithHealthIssues.com. And here is our guest for today, Lisa Green, and our host, Rebecca. There's that shadow side, too, that we don't just throw it all on another person's shoulders and say, I can't do it, your problem. I mean, so there's that balance there, which we also talk about with love and logic, that we're not victims and we don't shirk our duties and responsibilities, right? There's that important balance of doing what we can and and taking responsibility and but but then also not going so far to where we take it all on, all on for ourselves. In your book, you talk about parenting traps. Would you consider those to be some of the parenting traps? Absolutely. I mean, that's where it gets to be really challenging because where as a parent do we draw that line? So, some of the dangers that we face as parents is is that overprotection and taking it all on for our children. So so doing more for our child because, you know, first of all, out of guilt, out of a sense of responsibility, out of a sense of feeling sorry for our children, you know, a lot of times we feel guilty. Um, Cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease. Uh, Hemophilia is a genetic disease. Sickle cell. There are many diseases that have a genetic basis. And, um, And I see oftentimes in parents that they feel guilty, even though it's not my fault that my children got these genes. I mean, we didn't know that they were there. And even if we did, I mean, there's, you know, one in a four chance with CF that my kids would even get that gene. So, so the point being that it's not my fault that my children have cystic fibrosis. Um, but oftentimes as parents, we feel like it is our fault. And then we feel a sense of guilt about that. And so then we don't hold our kids accountable for their normal developmental process. We feel like we should give them everything. We feel like we should buy their way to happiness. You know, well, I want to give my kids everything, every iPad, every eye, everything, because I don't want them to be unhappy because, you know, they already go through so much. And so then we start to fall into the dangers of of, of overindulgence, of giving too much, of doing too much, and not holding our children accountable, not allowing them to have their 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 successes. I mean, when if we think about our own lives and we think about the times that we learn the best 
and feel the best about ourselves. It's when we've solved a hard problem. We've, you know, had a challenge in front of us and, you know, maybe it was a paper. I mean, I'm going to bring it down to a simple level for a student, for our children. You know, maybe it was a project at school that they struggled with and we didn't just do it as a parent, but we walked beside them and we guided them and we were there with them. We were providing the pencils and the markers and the the the, the clay and the Play-Doh and even the ideas, you know, like, well, I don't know. Why don't you draw a bird? Why don't you draw a dog? Why don't, you know, so we give them ideas and I'm, I'm giving you some love and logic tools here about problem solving and, and guiding our kids to own and solve their own problems. But we're there as a loving guide, but we're not the one drawing the dog and making the clay animals, right? And we're not the one making the decisions about what that project is going to look like. And so maybe our kids struggled through the project. Uh, and maybe there were even some tears and we hug them and love them and dry their tears and keep handing them those crayons and those markers and sharing ideas. But when that kid gets the A, you know, and they're like, wow, mommy, I did it. Who earned that A? The kid earned the A, not me, right? And likewise, if they earn a C or unhappily, if we earn the F or they earn the F, who earned it? They earned it. And in love and logic terminology, you know, we don't say to the kid, well, if you only would have started that project a week earlier and see, I told you, you should have drawn a dog instead of a cow and see, you should have used green instead of red. And, you know, you should have, you should have, you, if we don't do that, which is a natural parenting thing to do, if instead we respond with that heavy dose of empathy, wow, honey, what a bummer. Yeah. Gosh, you did put a lot of work into that project. And, you know, sometimes things work out like that. But, you know, I think the next time you do a science project, you'll have learned a lot. And I think you're going to do a great job on the next one. Let me give you a great big hug. So there's that example of coming through with that heavy dose of empathy, that love, that, you know, that arm around the shoulder, um, you know, when our kids fail uh, and and that that approach of, of guiding our kids to solve their problems, giving them ideas, being collaborative, being their cheerleader, being there with them, drying their tears and giving them that heavy dose of empathy and arm around the shoulder when they do fail. That is foundationally going to build resilience and those small failures with that parental love and support will build resilience in our children so that they're, they're coping, they're problem solving, and their um, resilience muscle is strong. So that when they have the big failures in life, like, you know, maybe a drug that's not working or a setback in their medical care, that no matter how hard they tried to do their breathing treatments every day and no matter how adherent they were, their lung function is still deteriorating no matter how hard they tried. You know, they understand that it's not the end result and perfection that matters it's the process and the behaviors that they took to be as successful as they can. So they can look back over their life. And we as parents can look back over our lives and we can say, gosh, you know, that disease progressed. 
That's what happens with cystic fibrosis. It's a progressive disease. And you know what? We did everything we could. We did the right things. We had the right responses. We did a great job. And you know what? We had a good life. We had a lot of fun along the way. We had a lot of great memories and pictures. And we lived life to the full. And I, as a parent, gave that kid every possible chance to make good choices and to live a good life. You know, I set an environment that was healthy and, and, and strong and was a model of resilience so that that child, I, you know, could make good choices and live life well. And, you know, even in the face of this sad end result, we did it right. We did it right. And you will find a story in the beginning of our book, in the introduction, by Dr. Foster Klein, well-known child psychiatrist, author, um, brilliant man who has changed, I could say, millions of lives around the world, along with Jim Fay, through Love and Logic. You will find in the introduction of our book his story about his adopted daughter who had diabetes and um, she was fetal alcohol syndrome baby, so she didn't have good cause and effect. But Foster and his wife, Hermie, provided Melinda with incredible environment, love and logic, the ability to make good choices. And despite the fact that she died of diabetes because she did not get her medication in time over a weekend, and as Foster and Hermie say in that introduction, their hearts broke over the loss of her. But, you know, as they looked back and they beat themselves up as we parents do, we all look back and go, where did I go wrong? You know, whether our child makes bad choices about their medication or whether our child makes bad choices about the drugs that they take. And we know that drug abuse is a big problem right now in our society. Same of principles apply. They could look back and say, with hearts full, wow, our hearts are broken. And there were some things that we could have done. Yeah, we could have done a few things differently. But you know what? We did it right. We did it right as a parent. We did it right. We weren't perfect. This is not about perfection. But we can look back and know that we gave her every chance to make good choices, live a good life, and she lived a really good life. This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break, and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. 
Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101, because care starts with you. look back and know that we gave her every chance to make good choices, live a good life, and she lived a really good life. And as a parent, that's almost the most that we can hope for because it's not for us to be able to control or have power over our children. We can't. And that's a sign of maturity as a parent. The day that we realize we cannot make our children make good choices because it's kind of like in a small way, it's kind of like God. I mean, God gave us all free will and he sees us as our, as his children and he has given us free will and he allows us to make our choices. He allows us to make good choices. He allows us to make bad choices and he has set up a system so that we have the opportunity to do both. And he allows us to live through the consequences of our bad choices. Unfortunately, you know, we've all been there, done that. We've all been caught speeding and we've all gotten the ticket, you know. And, and so we live with those consequences of our bad choices. Um, and as parents, you know, that's sort of the, you know, the microscope or the microcosm that we set up in our homes. where a powerful, loving collaborative, relationship-oriented authority figure. We set the example, we live it, we model it. We're there to dry the tears and love our children through the mistakes they make. And we also recognize that the choices they make are theirs to live with. And certainly within reason, you know, we as parents, we need to set limits and we talk a lot about that. This is not about being permissive. We would never just allow a child to say, skip, a, you know, a life and death medication and say, oh, you get to live the consequences. No, that is not what I'm saying. But, you know, when we start with love and logic at a young age and we we set those firm limits about those life and limb, you know, decisions and consequences, we set firm limits around those areas. But we allow our kids the luxury and the learning of of making those small mistakes um, then our children grow up with that deeply embedded sense of, um, wow, you know, when I make a decision, I live with the consequences. I make good decisions, I get good consequences. I make sad decisions, and I have sad consequences. But all without punitive, punishing, angry parental responses. It's the key, again, is that empathetic 
um, arm around the shoulder, um, that love in Love and Logic. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Those words are powerful and the stories are definitely heartfelt. Another thing that you talked about and that empathy and compassion, in my opinion, has to start for yourself. If you don't go to that place where you can have empathy and compassion for the things you have done and tried and understand that you've done your very best, then it's difficult to move into ex- exercising those feelings towards somebody else. So I think as caregivers, we need to have a little more empathy and more compassion for ourselves. I think that it gives us a freedom to be able to, like you said, to be more forgiving and more understanding towards somebody else. Because when we have a little more compassion and more empathy for ourselves, then those mistakes that we make are not as horrific, right? (laughs) We could just live with them a little bit more and understand and accept. And then therefore, we can can do that with others. And when you have situations that are life-threatening constantly, you're dealing with that type of thing, as caregivers often do. You have to have that system behind you and that knowledge that you're doing your best, like you said, but if if mistakes happen, you are the first person that has to forgive yourself, correct? Absolutely. You know, I think the words empathy and compassion need to be tied together with the word forgiveness. Mm -hmm. As parents, especially, I think, I mean, every parent beats themselves up. I mean, I truly believe that as parents, none of us wake up in the morning and say, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to give my kid a really hard time, ruin their day, just hassle them incessantly, you know, and just really ruin my relationship with my kid. I'm just, you know, today is just, that's what I'm going to do. We don't do that. But you know, at the end of the day, we can look back at the day and go, you know, this day was a disaster. You know, I was incessantly after my kid. I completely ruined their day and mine. They're mad. I'm mad. And the day was a disaster. You know, it's the way it is with parenting. It is And honestly, we have to laugh at it. We have to have a sense of humor. And you know what? I hope you see this and and this little segment normalizes this for you because you know what? We all, I mean, I am a parenting educator. I am supposed to be, quote unquote, if you can see this, a parenting expert. Well, okay. You know what? Let me just say right now, I should have said this at the beginning. I am not perfect. Okay. And if you were to interview my kids, they would say, yeah, right. You know, mom isn't. And I'm not, you know, and yeah, expert, what does that really mean? Okay, I know a lot of stuff, but you know, honestly, it's hard. It is. It's hard. And and the difference is because I'm educated and I have a plan, you know, I because I know love and logic. Love and logic gives us a roadmap. And I'll kind of just go back to that. Love and logic gives us a roadmap. Because there are things about parenting that are evidence-based. Research, we've had 60 years of research on what, uh, what is best uh, parenting, best parenting practices. Not perfection, not you have to do exactly one thing. But there, there is great research and consensus on parenting best practices. And one of those things, by the way, is self-care and modeling self-care and taking good care of ourselves and understanding ourselves. Um, And so 
you know, by having a good roadmap and having a good understanding, and I kind of almost like to liken it to the Bible. I mean, yeah, we're going to fall off the truck, you know, when we're trying to follow the Bible, which I do. And I'm, I'm okay saying that I'm proud of that. You know, I try to follow the the guidelines in, in, in the Bible, but am I perfect? No, you know, and thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness and your grace, because I need a lot of it. But again, it gives me a roadmap. It gives me it gives me, you know, a, a set of, of guidelines and rules to follow, to, to do my best to to adhere to. And, and love and logic kind of in the same way does that uh, for us as parents. And along with that, we're we're talking about forgiveness and grace and compassion, knowing that it is a roadmap. And so when I get, when I find myself, you know, about ready to fall off a cliff or hopefully not in a cliff or deep in a pothole, I'm like, oh, how did I get here? Oh my, okay, I'm not in a good place. You know, okay, what do I need to do to get myself back on track? And I get myself back on track, hopefully, you know, it's not always easy. And then I say, Okay, self-forgiveness. Wow, I blew it. I blew it. You know, forgive me, Lord. Okay, you know, whoops, parenting. Forgive me, children. You know, I go to my kids and say, you know what? I got mad and I yelled. I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. Yes, you still need to be grounded tonight, but because the consequences still stand. But, you know, I didn't come through in a way that I'm proud of, you know, and will you forgive me? And so, There, again, is that forgiveness, grace, self-compassion. And in giving that to myself, I now give the people around me to be imperfect, to be human, to make mistakes, to have grace, to give grace, to learn, to grow, to love, to reciprocate. And it just, I think we're missing that in our world today. And I hope that when we change when I change, when you change, when every one of us listens, changes a little bit in these ways in our home, that our families change. And when our families change, then the people they touch change. And then the people they touch change. And we pay it forward. And before we know it, our communities change. Our homes change. Our communities change. And hopefully someday our nations will change. And maybe someday there's hope of our world changing. I don't know. That might be a little starts. It does start with a little seed. So absolutely. We're talking about that, that compassion, empathy and forgiveness again, which I think is so crucial because so many times, in my opinion, and you do talk about parenting over involvement. And Lisa, parenting over involvement almost seems like sometimes parents or caregivers are just trying to overcompensate for exactly that. So, you know, maybe there has been those mistakes that they just don't feel quite good about. They can't quite resolve those issues. And so a way to overcompensate is to overprotect and be overinvolved. Or then there's also the aspect of fear, you know, the fear that parents or caregivers that are living with life-threatening situations deal with on a daily basis. You deal with that particular issue in your book, correct? Absolutely. We could do a whole other segment on the emotional impact of chronic illness and caregiving and stress and the impact uh, of, of all of those things. 
Um, but the, the, the metaphor that I like to share in, in my classes is, you know, what are we taught to do when uh, we were hiking down a trail and we come across a bear or a, uh, you know, cougar or a mountain lion? I mean, we're taught to, to stand still and make ourselves big and look kind of threatening and maybe be loud right? But what is our first instinct? Our first instinct is to run, but that is the wrong thing to do. So out of our fear of this mountain lion or bear in our face, fear, anxiety, we do exactly the wrong thing that can get us into big trouble. And so some of those things that get us into big trouble as parents you know, is overprotection, overindulgence, doing too much for the child, babying the child. And there is such a thing as too much empathy, or we really talk about in our book, the difference between empathy and sympathy. So sympathy says, I feel so sorry for you that I'm going to fix everything and try to make it better. Empathy says, oh, honey, that was really hard. This is really hard. How can I walk beside you? and empower you to cope. That's a big difference. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Lisa Green. Lisa Green is an adjunct professor in the Department of Child and Family Education at Concordia University, an author, parent coach, international speaker, and the mother of two children with special health care needs. As a parent educator, public speaker, and independent love and logic facilitator, Miss Green teaches essential parenting skills to thousands of parents each year. She has also written articles for Parent Guide, DisneyFamily.com, and Living Well magazine, as well as numerous online journals. Miss Green also co-authored the award-winning Love and Logic book, Parenting Children with Health Issues, Essential Tools, Tips, and Tactics for Raising Kids with Chronic Illnesses, Medical Conditions, and Special Healthcare Needs. You can find this book at parentingchildrenwithhealthissues.com. Don't forget to join us again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for part three of our interview with Lisa Green.